those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh, and I'm really excited about being able to kick off a new sermon message series today. And the whole series is about finding purpose. It's about tapping into the reason that lies at the heart of our endeavours, our relationships, our conflicts, our unrest. And look, this isn't just a, a Christian spiritual question. Finding purpose is something that impacts every person on the planet. It's something we all grapple with, uh, and it's something that will often be one of those key trigger points for you to start sharing the message of Christ. So, Mark Twain said that there's two most important days in your life. He said, the day that you're born and the day you figure out why. And look, I've been thinking about that quote quite a bit this week because I went for a job interview on Friday. And it's for, a, it's for a job I've been doing for about two months now. And this whole process has been dragging on for about three and a half months, right from the start. It's been, frankly, exhausting. But look, I've been thinking about that, that quote in the context of, there's always one question that interviewers seem to lead off on. And it's, what attracts you to this role? Why do you want to spend 40 hours a week with these people doing this job? And at the heart of that question is, well, what's your story? How does this situation, this circumstance, how does it fit into the overall narrative of your life? How does it fit into your purpose? Um, Rick Warren, the, the author of Purpose Driven Life, he frames it this way and says, what is it that takes you from existing into living? And so today is going to be about the purpose side of this question. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be going into uh, speaking on identifying your calling, so understanding your, um, how you fit in, what relationships you're called to impact, and then on to realising your gifting. And Pastor Ward's spoken about it a couple of times before, about the fruits and the gifts of the Spirit. So, look, it's going to be a great sermon series. Interested? All right. The point I want to tackle today is this, and if this is the only takeaway, lean in close. All right. We need to understand purpose as being less about a single activity, less about being a single job, and more about having a Christ-centered perspective. If God's mission is to build His church, then our purpose is to seek justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. But that's, that's a very personal, but also a very universal perspective on how we approach a relationship with God. There's two points that I, I want to cover today. The first is that God created you for a purpose. He created you for a reason. You're not some accident you're not drifting aimlessly throughout the universe. And the second is this, that God has given us the perfect role model in Christ Jesus. Are you with me so far? All right. Point number one, God created you for a reason. In Exodus chapter 9, verse 16, it says this, but for this purpose... For this purpose, I have raised you up to show my power so that my name 
will be proclaimed in all the earth. Now, this verse is part of the, the dialogue between God and Moses and the Pharaoh. And he's talking about why the Pharaoh has been kept in this position of power. Why, after the plagues have started coming and the pestilence, why th- this interaction is still going on. Uh, what's the meaning behind all the suffering that's happening? What's the purpose behind God's movements and how he's, uh, how he's reconfiguring the world order? Look, I, I talk quite a lot in my messages about uh, my time in the, the Navy and particularly about my transition out. And I do that because it's, it's a really transformative event for me. It's one of those, um, they call it a, a sliding doors moment. Have you had one where you feel like you're standing at a fork in the road and this exact situation that you're in could lead you down a dozen different pathways? And for me, it's, it's about realising that in that moment, even though I, I didn't realise it and I'm only realising it you know, one, two, five years down the track, it's that God is moving a thousand different chess pieces into position. He's moving all these different circumstances and relationships and bringing it all to pass in a way that we're not going to realise that for years to come. Because see, at the time, and this is one of the, the key elements for me, I'd perceived purpose about being a vocation. My purpose was the job I was doing. That was how I conceived my worldview. And I, I couldn't, at the time, separate Christian service from serving a church. And that was part of the motivation in terms of, at the time, going to Bible college and finding other ways to be active in my church. See, I, I knew at that time that I had to move. I knew that there was a call on my life that I had to be in this new place. But my concern was that all my previous actions had been in vain. You know, it's, it's like you're misinterpreting these smoke signals that are going up. Um, you, you can kind of feel at times that God is like this Olympic judge sitting on the sideline, marking off a scorecard, and it's only when you get to the end of the routine that he gives you the debrief and tells you what happened, where you missed up uh, an opportunity. Um, you know, the past couple of weeks, almost like the, the Reserve Bank, you know, they people obsess over these small little nuances in language and try and ascertain what, what's happened and where you are in the, uh, the grand order. But at the time when I went to, to transition out of the Navy, I, I had a chat to um, one of the, the senior leaders of the organisation, a guy called Stu Mayer. And for context, he's, he's a, an admiral based in Sydney. He's actually Australia's senior naval warfighter. Like this guy is, you know, if anything happens, he's the one that's going to be leading the charge into war for Australia. As it turns out, he's also a member of C3 Oxford Falls. Now, isn't that incredible? And, and so I sat in because the, the options at the time were for me to, to go and continue down this, this path that uh, I'd been set on in the Navy or to step out to the church. And he completely floored me when, when he sat me down and said, I'm a Christian, I, I want to talk to you about this. And the point he said that, that stuck in my mind is, you cannot step outside of God's plans for your life. You are in His world, according to His timelines. And whatever you do, you're doing for a reason. 
Now, as he pointed out, sometimes that reason is because you're acting like a clown. <laughs> you're not listening to advice. You're not listening to the, uh, the inspiration of God and you need to be brought down a peg. Sometimes that's the reason. Yeah. But whatever you do, you are here, you are deliberate, and God has a reason for what's happening in your life. Just because we don't understand what our purpose is doesn't mean we don't have one. If we go back to that scripture from Exodus, I have raised you up. It's, if you have a look at the, the Hebrew version of it, it's this incredibly grand language. And it's, in Hebrew, it's, I have, the I raised you up. It's, I have caused you to be called out onto the stage of history. Now, that's incredible visualizations that God's giving. He has called you out as a person onto the stage of history. You're not this ant scurrying around trying to figure out where to get the next meal from. You are the main actor in God's story for this world. And it's incredible. It's an incredible realisation that you're not an accident. You are deliberate and you are here for a reason. And so this is the first point that I want to get across when when we talk about vocations and talk about jobs, and that's that Just like God's miracles, while your job is an incredibly important part of who you are and what you do, they're not the whole story. It's not the complete message. What we're doing, the the why, that's the message God's trying to communicate. And the vocation that you have, the job that you're in, that's just a vehicle for communicating that message he has for this world. It's right at the start of the Bible when God says that we will make man in our own image. It's that we are here to be signposts. We're here to be mirrors to the glory of God, for the glory of God. If we fast forward and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says this, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God doesn't do things just to show off. All right, there's there's miracles, there's these, these incredible actions that have echoed throughout history, but they're not there just because he can. Everything he does, everything he did in Egypt, everything he did in Canaan, in Galilee, they were signposts. They were delivered, and just reflect on this, they were delivered at exactly the right point in history, at exactly the right time to communicate his intent, to demonstrate his power to the society that was there at the time. Jesus' message was delivered at a time when roads had only just been introduced into the empire and the message could spread rapidly throughout the developed world. That's incredible that it was so deliberate that he knows when to move, how to move. We are an example in society today of where he's placed us exactly where he needs us to communicate his intent. That's incredible. And so, look, if I could... If I could bold and underline and italicize one bit of the the message today, it's this. Who you are, 
and where you are is not an accident. You are the main actor in God's story in your life right now. Happy with that? All right. The second point is this, and that's that God has given us the perfect role model to follow. He says in uh, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, but we want each of you to continue to be diligent to the very end in order to give the full assurance of your hope. And so the question is this, if we're here deliberately, if we accept that we are here because God has a plan for what He needs us to do, then how do we realise that purpose? What is it that we're meant to, in the words of Hebrews, be diligent about? And that's where the rubber really hits the road. Because you see, I can't speak for everyone here today, I don't do things by half measures. All right, if I'm going to commit to something, I'm going to go in 100%. not going to go 110%, that's silly, can't do that. All right, 100% to all of your initiatives. But the consequence of that is that as your interests change, as your, uh, your skills develop or as your social groups evolve, split, change, reform, it starts to get really hard to have just one endeavour to commit yourself to. If you're going to give 100% to something, how do you start to prioritise? How do you start to figure out what it is that you need to do 100% of? And it's a juggling act, it, it really is. And something I'm becoming particularly aware of uh, as my beautiful wife Amanda starts to uh, get ready for our first child. Um, yeah, thanks. Yeah, very exciting. Um, you have to prioritise family versus work versus church and figure out how you're going to contribute 100%, how you're going to realise the opportunities that God's putting before you. Because the thing is, we can, we can do lots of things. But the question we need to be asking ourselves when it comes to our purpose is, are we doing the right things? It's not about lots, it's about the right does anyone know that uh, Steve McQueen? Does anyone know he was a born-again Christian? King of cool. <laughs> born-again Christian. He, um, this guy, he, he had a, an incredible life story. Okay? His birth father, oh, his father abandoned him um, just after his mother shared that she was pregnant, so he never knew his real father. Uh, his mother abandoned him with the grandparents when he was six months old. She had a, a whole variety of substance abuse issues and she couldn't handle the pressure. Um, he bounced around a number of foster homes where he was beaten so severely, a, at times they feared he may never walk. He was thrown downstairs. It was quite horrible. And as a result of all that, he had this real attitude problem. And in time, it came to be one of the, the parts of his sex appeal that really drove his career. Um, it, if this is true, at one stage when he was in the, the US Marines, he actually held the record for the longest continuous stint in solitary. He spent 41 days for gross insubordination. <laughs> like, I mean, this is Korean times. You know, if you were going to spend 41, if you were going to hold a record, I can't even imagine what he's done to earn that. But anyway, by the time he finally made it big in the cinemas, um, you know, Magnificent Seven, Great Escape, 
um, Bullet. Um, he was famous for for being self-centered. Okay? He was the coolest kid in town. No one else was worthy of being around him. The thing is, he was actually incredibly generous. And this is a, a part that um, a lot of people didn't know. He wrote responses to every child who wrote to him. He gave away huge amounts of cash, but he always made sure his publicist was there and that every time he gave money, every time he wrote a letter, that it would get put in the newspaper. He made sure that he milked every single chance to get the maximum uh, media coverage out of these events. He said that his purpose was to bring joy and entertainment to the world. Right? He, he felt he really clearly understood his role in life. But the perspective was he wanted everyone to know that he was the reason for other people's happiness. That was the lens he took into it. And so by the time he was in his late 40s and early 50s and, uh, and his star had started fading, you know, he'd had a whole range of substance abuse issues himself, uh, he was on to his third marriage by that time. He, um, it had taken a toll, so he retired to this small town. And this is where the story um, becomes incredible from a Christian perspective. So he said when he moved there, he, um, he felt that only one man in town was cool enough to hang out with. And that was a retired pilot called Sammy Mason. And they go to the bars after work and, uh, and tell their stories. But the thing is, Sammy was a born-again Christian. And the only way that McQueen could hang out with him on a Sunday was to follow him and his family to church. That was the only way they could interact. And McQueen wouldn't talk to anyone else in the town. And um, the, the records from the pastor at the time, that it's this incredible story. The pastor was a guy called Reverend Leonard DeWitt. And he said that for 30 weeks straight, McQueen would come to church. He'd sit right at the back. And he would not speak to a soul other than Sammy. For 30 weeks, was uninterested. All he wanted to do was get out, show his own uh, star off. Until one day. So it was a, a Tuesday afternoon and McQueen just walked up to the church, opened the door, didn't walk up to the pastor's office, didn't knock, didn't feel the need to announce himself, just walked straight in, sat down and just started rapid fire shooting these questions off to Reverend DeWitt. You know, what's the story about Christ? Why did he die? Why did he have to die? What is the relevance for me? And he's shooting these questions off, and that afternoon gave his life to Christ. 30 weeks of, well, a lifetime of being self-centered, and 30 weeks of just sitting there, not interacting with anyone else, and finally the, the penny dropped for him, and he could understand the relevance of Christ in his life. He actually, uh, McQueen went on to become very good friends with Billy Graham. Um, that was one of his final contacts in his dying days. And he said that um, McQueen would often become quite depressed during these sessions because he felt that he had wasted all these opportunities throughout his life to share a story of Christ and to share this transformation. And I, I just find it remarkable that this, this guy who shaped a whole generation this guy who, who set the standard for cool, you know, who had been abandoned by his father, abandoned by his mother, who had been beaten by step parents, in the dying, in the twilight of his life, he finally found that perfect role model at long last. And that gave a whole different lens to his, his purpose. He said after that, he, he was still generous, he still wrote letters, he still um, gave abundantly to the different charities. 
But the point is he stopped chasing down his publicists to follow him. He started doing writing letters uh, even when there was no, you know, it was to a small hick town um, that no one would ever recognise or be able to leverage the media from that. The point of that is this, that when you use the gospel, when you use that story of Christ's humility and his service as a lens to what you're doing, then you see purpose in this whole new life. It brings it brings this new richness and this new meaning to what you're doing, to wherever you are, whether that's about relationships or your job or your service or um, your giving. Looking at it through the lens of Christ, looking at it through the lens of what he did, what he gave, what he gave up, that's what really adds that value to your purpose. Now, some of our actions will change when you look at it through the lens of Christ. And we're called to be these blameless examples for the uninitiated. But in reality, for a lot of what we do, the what we do doesn't change. We just have a better understanding of what the right things are. We have a better understanding of how to mirror the example that Christ gave. Acts 26 uh, verse 16 says this, But rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you. Literally saying this. He's literally laying out the answer to us. He has appeared to be the role model to us. I've appeared to you for this purpose. To appoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen and in which I will appear to you. God lays it out to us. And whatever we're doing, we're here to be servants and witnesses to that incredible transformative story. All right, I'm going to shortly hand back over to Pastor Ward to, uh, to close in prayer. Um, but I wanted to, to finish on this point. And that's that when you're thinking about your purpose, when you think about the next couple of weeks and as you go out into the workplace and think, why am I doing tax returns day on day? When you're trying to understand the specifics, think more about the spirit. Say that again. Think less about the specifics and more about the spirit. You're not just a banker, a mother, a receptionist, a father. You are a servant of Christ put here in a very small window of opportunity of the world to impact a family, to impact a business, to impact a community. The what, the why and the how of your purpose is all found in that relationship with Christ. So my challenge to you this week is to reflect on this, that God has placed me, he's placed you right here, right now. He's going to be placing you in conversations, going to be placing you alongside opportunities. And so whatever you're doing and wherever you are this week, just reflect on this final point. How would Christ make the most of this opportunity? Because the answer to that is the answer to the question of what is my purpose? Awesome. Let's give Josh a big hand.